Today on Ag News Daily. Well, the InfoAg conference uh, is about precision agriculture, but specifically it's about how to apply all this technology to production of crops. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is July 11th. My name is Hannah Pagel, bringing you the Ag News Daily podcast with my co-host, Delaney Howell. Delaney, how are you doing? I'm great, Hannah. How are you? I'm doing, well, I was doing amazing, but now I kind of have a little bit of headache, but still, it's a beautiful day. Uh, But other than that, uh, we are also joined by our other co-host, Mike Pearson. Mike, how are you doing? I am very sweaty today, if I'm honest. It is a little (laughs) hot. It's a little sticky. It is July in Iowa, and I kind of forgot how hot and sweaty that can make me. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. I mean, it's a we're in a heat advisory, aren't we, in Iowa? Oh. Oh, wow. I believe we are. Okay, maybe I I made that up. No, I think we are, Hannah. I think you're correct. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, you know, before we get into the news, the three of us have been working on something pretty cool, listeners, and uh, we've been working on it with a bunch of other great podcasters. And I don't know, Delaney, Hannah, should we tell folks what we got cooking? I think we should. I'm really excited. Um, It's it's an interesting idea, so we're going to do our best to explain it. But, of course, if you have any questions, thoughts, or comments, please find us on social media or on the website at agnewsdaily or agnewsdaily.com. We are going to create a podcast network of all the great agricultural podcasts that we've found and as we start to approach people um, or people that we think have interesting stories and may want to start their own podcast we want to talk to people like that absolutely so listeners if there's a particular ag podcast you love we'd love to talk to them and yeah as delaney said if you've just been cooking around or kicking around some neat idea Give us a shout. Find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. And Hannah, we will be posting a couple of things for our listeners to help us make a decision on, won't we, here later today? We will be. So, listeners, we are trying to figure out what to name this new podcast network. And we have it narrowed down to two names, but we need your help to help us figure out which one we want to go to. So, If you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, go to those posts later today and you can cast your vote to help us name our new network. Yes, we're very excited, folks. Stay tuned. Good stuff is coming. And uh, hopefully it'll just be a way for listeners of podcasts of all different shapes and sizes to find more information about stuff that you're interested in. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have some great ones. And we're not going to announce yet which podcasts are currently signed up to be part of the network. But if you have a podcast that you think should be a part of the network, let's know. And, of course, if you want to start your own podcast, we're here to support people like that, too. We want to help other people talk about agriculture on podcasts because we think they're pretty great. Absolutely. Now, with that out of the way, we are the Ag News Daily Podcast. Should we get to some ag news? Hannah Pagel? Let's do it. The first one I have for you guys today is President Trump is following through with his vow to impose additional tariffs on the $200 billion worth of Chinese goods. So the first round of tariffs went into effect last Friday and China retaliated. So President Trump, of course, has to, you know, 
make what is it like make good on his word what he said so he's putting mm-hmm. he's putting the additional 200 billion dollars worth of chinese or tariffs on chinese goods so it's going to take roughly it's a two-month process of initiating the new tariffs that they're looking at possibly going into effect as early as september but that's kind of the news right there just a little update in tariff land yeah, and that has yeah. been the big news. Definitely kind of rocked uh, all the markets today. Last I saw, Dow mm-hmm. was down about 200 points. We saw the commodities getting hit. And the tariffs that the U.S. will be putting on from Chinese goods, they're mainly consumer goods. So this is stuff you're going to find in your, your Walmarts and your wherever type places. We're looking at car tires, furniture, wood products, handbags and suitcases, dog and cat food, baseball gloves, carpets, doors, bicycles, skis, golf bags, toilet paper and beauty products, no. all of those things. Yes. Not and Delaney, of course, paper. this matters. Yes, toilet paper, teepee is going to cost a little bit more. Well, maybe that'll cut down on, like, high schoolers teepeeing people's houses. Oh, I didn't think about that. Sure, sure, cut down on that uh, small-scale vandalism. might be a win yeah. long-term for America. <laughs> okay, which that's a good way to put a positive spin on it. Like, I like that. Yeah. Delaney, what's jumping out at you today? Yeah. I've got some interesting news here coming out from the USDA and the National Agricultural Statistics Service. Starting in August, reporters won't be allowed to see those reports such as the YSD, quarterly stocks, reports, et cetera, before the general public. So currently, services like media services like Bloomberg, Reuters, DTN, those guys get those reports before the public release time. So, for instance, tomorrow the YSD report drops at 11 a.m., those organizations get them, I think, two or three hours ahead of that time to go through and synthesize their reports before the general public gets it. But uh, the USDA and NAS have said now that those people that subscribe to those services like DTN are getting the coverage ahead of the general public, and they said that it's giving them an unfair market advantage or an unfair trading advantage. So they are going to begin that change coming in August. Yeah, so this is the last WASD report with a lockup period beforehand. Next quarterly grain yep. stocks, we're all going to see it at the same time, which I, I suppose in theory is supposed to kind of level the playing field against you know yeah. regular traders versus algorithmic traders, but they're just going to write software that can read the reports faster, I'm sure. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see, but I think it's a good point that, yeah, I mean, theoretically you could have an unfair advantage if you are a subscriber to some of those services. Well, those services, I mean, they were all under lockdown until 11, but I think the mm-hmm. the theory was when those headlines came out that those reporters prepared at 11, the computer traders can read those headlines really quick. You know, bean stockpiles grew. That's the headline. Boom, those computers digest it in a second. They've got positions put on, whereas regular people got to go, okay, beans are up. What's the number? All right. Yeah, I'll call my broker. I'll put a trade in. And that was where the, quote, unfair advantage was. It wasn't that Reuters or anybody was leaking information. I think it was just that the headlines were easier to digest for the computers. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was my All right. I've got some news coming out of D.C. from the EPA. We've been talking quite a bit about small refiner exemptions and what that has done to renewable fuel demand. And it's official. The EPA today ditched the plan that would have forced refiners to use those exempted gallons under the RFS in 2019. So basically, all of those RFS waivers that were granted earlier this year, uh, that demand from a legal standpoint 
is gone. Uh, EPA isn't bringing it back in the renewable volume obligations for 2019 officially. Okay. Interesting. Well, we also have some news coming from Bruce Gord, or kind of our man on the ground. So should we kick it over to Bruce to talk uh, yeah, we're to Mike Sandstrom? Uh, yeah, insect forecast. Let's kick it over to Bruce. There's a new tool available to help you as a producer better predict when and where certain insects will show up on your farm. Mike Sandstrom is the founder of Insect Forecast. He explains the concept. Well, Insect Forecast is a proactive forecasting tool that helps the growers understand what kind of insect pressure they're seeing in their fields for their specific area. Uh, we do pot cutworm, corn rootworm, soybean aphid, corn earworm, western bean cutworm and so the growers uh, each area in midwest has uh, specific pressure from these different insects and so this forecast really gives them a heads up if they're going to have problems in their field to whether they should go out and spray or not how is this forecast different mike for the, than uh, what we have uh, used before as far as uh, looking at insect pressure well the the big thing here uh, is using the most recent thresholds that the extension folks in the at the universities use and then uh, this really gives a proactive approach to what's out there so it's not a problem that the insects are already appearing this can give the growers a heads up ahead of time so they know whether or not they should treat okay so it's like you're looking at migration uh, type movement that type of thing Correct. Depending on the specific insect, like for corn earworms, that's definitely a migratory event. But others, uh, such as western bean cutworm, which is a huge problem in certain areas of Nebraska, uh, that's more of a locally developing thing. So that's where we can really look at how the pest or the insect interacts uh, and grows, either whether it migrates or it develops locally, and then we can forecast based on that. Mike, what types of pressure are you seeing uh, right now for the growers in western Iowa and uh, most of Nebraska? I'm sure uh, corn rootworm is, is a major problem. Uh, uh, talk about that and what, el what other uh, items you're seeing. Yeah, definitely uh, corn rootworm can be a problem, especially in areas with continuous corn uh, or areas historically that have seen pressure. Um, but probably right now another one of the bigger things is actually western bean cutworm uh, especially in uh, central and southern parts of the state. We are going through peak flight right now for that specific insect, and growers should, it's nothing new, obviously, to that area, but growers should really get out and scout the fields and check their traps if they have them and potentially take you know necessary action to protect the crop because the flight is fairly intense this year, and it's ongoing right now. Mike, how can a grower get uh, in, get this information and, and get to insectforecast.com, and, and how, do, how, does they, how do they get involved with this program? Well, step one is to go to www.insectforecast.com, and once you're on the website, uh, you can see uh, the different forecasts, which are updated on a daily basis. And so it's, it's up to the, the day information that they're going to see. And then there's a spot on there that they can go in and, and log in with their uh, email or to sign up, and then they'll get alerts sent to them to their email whenever I issue an elevated risk for any specific insect for their area. Is there a cost to the growers for this, uh, Mike? No, this is absolutely free. Uh, this is sponsored by Monsanto SmartStacks brand, so uh, the growers, they don't have to worry about a cost at all. Uh, this is provided free of charge. Okay, well, it sounds like a great program, and especially right now with the, with the great pressure coming on. So uh, we hope uh, a lot of folks take advantage of that. Uh, once again, how do they uh, get involved with you? 
uh, just log in to www.insectforecast.com and sign up for the alerts. The service is free, so we invite you to give it a try. That's Mike Sandstrom. He's the founder of Insect Forecast. For Ag News Daily, I'm Bruce Gorder. Thanks, Bruce, for that report on insects. Very interesting. And speaking kind of on the terms of, well, actually, there's no really good way to <laughs> segue into my next piece, but uh, uh, manure, there's a manure separator that was created by Cornell University, and I found this to be really cool. Uh, so Cornell University's Teaching Dairy Barn, which is the home to 200 cows, they have just installed the state-of-the-art system that can separate manure from sand bedding. Which So they have decided to use sand as their bedding just because it reduces potential bacteria growth and it maximizes cow comfort. But I found this crazy. They import 30 tons of sand weekly. And by creating this system, they were able to recover more than 95% of the sand that they use. And so now they don't have to import any sand and they basically just keep recycling their bedding, which is pretty, pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's got to be a huge savings. Oh, I can imagine so. I mean, even just reading through the process of how it works, the there's a pump that draws the sand-filled manure out of a pit, and then it starts diluting it with recycled water, and then they filter it through some screens, and they remove the big chunks of fecal matter and all that good good yummy <laughs> stuff and then they just nutrients the, organic nutrients Anna. exactly there you go and then they just continue through the process and then at the end they have one product which is the clean bedding and then what they do they they recycle this all the way through they then take that the the manure that they filtered out of the sand and then they use that to um uh, there's they describe the process of it, which I'm no scientist, so I am not the best one to explain how they do this. But essentially, they take micro turbines and generators and they capture the methane gas and then they generate electricity and heat from that. So then that's what they use to power their operation. Very cool. Oh, sounds like Very a, cool. might be an interesting interview to have on. I think so. We'll have to get them on. But uh, what yeah, else no, is definitely. jumping out for you guys for Ag News? Delaney, do you have anything for us? Yep, I just have one other quick piece of news here. As we continue to watch the Meatless Meat Show, um, FDA Commissioner Scott Gottlieb is going to be hosting a public meeting on the lab-grown meat on Thursday. And, of course, they will have industry representatives from Memphis Meat and Finless Foods and a couple other Meatless Meat companies. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what comes about that meeting. And where is it, Delaney? It is Thursday in D.C. They're having, I think, just like an open forum to discuss, you know, regulations for it, um, whether it should be called a meat or a, just a meat product, you know, that kind of a thing. Sure. Well, I've got some good news kind of to put a bow on this before we get to talking the Info Ag Conference. And looking at meat, of course, one of the key products those meatless meat companies are looking to replace is beef. And in May, the USDA reports that we set a new record for the value of beef exports. It, we exported 117,000 metric tons, almost 118,000 metric tons, which was the sixth largest tonnage exports uh, in history. 
But the value of that beef was $722.1 million, which surpassed the past record, which was set in March. So exports are going well. Even if meatless meat companies are growing, folks are still taking time to appreciate the real thing and throwing ribeyes and whatnot on their grills, which is good news. Yeah, and Mike, speaking, speaking of appreciation and cows, I'm actually really bummed about this, guys, because yesterday was hashtag cow appreciation day, and I am such a big selfie taker, and I didn't even get to, like, post a, a picture with a selfie and a cow, so uh, this is going to be my shout-out to hashtag cow appreciation day. Absolutely. I I appreciated cows yesterday by eating some roast beef for lunch. Well, there you go. Way to support. <laughs> and I appreciated them more today with roast beef. So it's a win-win. Definitely. Well, let's see. Ladies, should we jump in and see what the markets did today? Let's, let's jump in. All right, folks, and our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can mitigate some of your marketing risks by giving them a call, 312-277-0050, and uh, talk to any one of their talented market strategists, or visit them online at Zaner, Z-A-N-E-R.com, and tell them you heard it on Ag News Daily. Well, folks, as we talked about earlier, the markets are down pretty well across the board here in the ag commodities. Starting with the corn market, the July contract was down 8.5 cents at 331 and a quarter, December down seven and a half to finish at 353 and a quarter. In soybeans, boy, another big sell-off today. The July was down 22 and a half cents at 829 and three quarters. November new crop down 23 and a quarter cents at 848 and a quarter. Chicago wheat was not spared. The July contract was down 19 and three quarter cents at 469 and three quarters. September down 20 and a quarter cents at 471 and three quarters. Livestock were not spared. In live cattle, the August contract off a dollar sixty on the day at 103. 85 October down a dollar 5750 closed at 10625 in feeder cattle the August contract down $2.45 at 149.40 the September down 262 and a half to close at 149.4250 and the lean hogs a little bit of green we've got mixed trade in the lean hog contracts the July was up 27 and a half cents at 79.7750 while August was down 97 and a half to close at 68 80. And of course, we can't forget it's still National Ice Cream Month, so let's see what our friends in dairy are doing today. Class 3 milk July contract was up 7 cents at 14.25, and the August was up a dime to close at 14.70. Before we talk with Conference Secretary Quentin Run from the InfoAg Conference, let's get a word from our friends at Latham High Tech Seeds. This week, we're talking to our friend Phil Long, the agronomy specialist up at Latham High Tech Seeds. And Phil, we're midway through the summer. Japanese beetles are making their presence felt. Bring us up to speed. What should growers be looking for to determine if the Japanese beetles are, are really a threat this time of year? Sure, Mike. That uh, The skeletonized leaves and the feeding on, on soybean leaves tends to scare a lot of guys. And uh, you know, what they need to be looking for is uh, the percentage of defoliation. We're at that time when soybeans should be flowering. Uh, they should be at that R1 growth stage. So R1 to R5, while they're in that seed fill and that early flowering time period, the damage is, is only 15%. That's the threshold you're looking for. Um, but, but remember, a lot of times people tend to overestimate that. Make sure you look at the new growth on the top of the plant, you know, and see if they're really diving into that. Or if it's just on the old growth, that's really important. After you get past that 
once you get to about the R6 or the green bean stage or that amame stage, 25% is kind of what you're looking for there to, to, to make the choice on, a, on an insecticide spray. So just make sure they look at the leaves hard and, and, and really do some comparisons on percentages before you get too excited. Folks, Latham High Tech Seeds has incredible agronomic insight. They've got incredible seed products for your field. If you want to get involved with a great company, call 1-877-GO-LATHAM or visit the website at LathamSeeds.com. Well, folks, we are talking to Quentin Run today. He is the conference secretary for an event coming up next week. It is the InfoAg 2018 conference. Quentin, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Now, bring us up to speed. InfoAg 2018. For folks that haven't heard of it before, what is the InfoAg conference? Well, the InfoAg conference uh, is about precision agriculture, but specifically it's about how to apply all this technology to to production of crops. So we're looking at practical applications of the technology, people sharing examples of how they've used uh, different equipment in the field, different software in the office, and also uh, we feature a lot of different uh, ideas for the future too. So it's it's a great conference. We get a good mix of uh, people that are just getting started with it and people who have been using Precision Ag for years. And Quentin, give us the overall big picture of what's going to be highlighted at this year's conference. Well, we have uh, our, our structures uh, very similar to other years in that we have a terrific uh, program this year. We have over 75 speakers coming. Um, we've got three keynote speakers, uh, one for each day, and they'll be uh, sharing some thought-provoking ideas, I think, uh, all the way from our opening keynote, Jess Lowenberg-DeBoer, uh, just won uh, the a Precision Ag uh, Award last month up in Montreal. Uh, we have Steve Savage that's going to be talking about uh, working in precision agriculture, and then Alex Thomason talking about you know, what if uh, Google were to farm? How would they farm? So I think the, the keynotes are going to set the stage. And then in our breakout program, we have for five concurrent sessions, uh, we have some workshops available so people can get a little more in-depth and hands-on. We have an agronomy track that's really focused on, uh, we have a lot of bit on uh, fertilizer and how that can be used in an environmentally responsible way using precision ag tools and also uh, some good sessions on uh, planting operations, both the multi-hybrid planter, high-speed planting. We have a great session on robotics. It's really going to be a, a full conference program. In addition to that, we have an exhibit hall. So we have over 100 uh, vendors coming to InfoAg this year. And our exhibit hall is just jam-packed. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And every year, folks or companies take advantage of InfoAg to unveil some new products. They, they uh, you know, use the exhibit hall to release some new updates. And do you know, is anybody planning anything big like that this year, or do we just wait and see? I haven't been tipped off yet, but you're exactly right. A lot of our sponsors will use InfoAg and, and other exhibitors as well, but our sponsors will use InfoAg to, to launch a new product or service. So I'm looking forward to some of that coming out. 
And Quentin, from your past attendees who have attended, you know, what are some of the big issues that people are looking at getting answered at this year's conference? Have you heard anything through the grapevine? Well, I know uh, people are always looking at how to make the precision tech pay. And we've got some sessions on that, uh, some crop consultants uh, that have used precision ag technologies with farmers and uh, kind of looking at the ROI of a lot of these technologies. So that's, that's one area that uh, needs to get hit uh, and uh, we'll hit that pretty hard uh, at the conference this year. Another one is just the basic agronomy. Sometimes uh, uh, people forget about how we can use these tools just to manage, our, manage and improve our agronomy skills in growing the crops. So we've got a good feature on that again this year. And then just some of the fun stuff on robotics and machine technology that have come up. Uh, people have been talking about those in the news and, and on the farm, and so we'll address those as well. Now, Quentin, before we get too far, I suppose we ought to tell people that the InfoEgg conference is next week. It begins on Tuesday, but on Monday, I noticed you're also having a pre-conference tour. And is that full, or do you still have some spots available? We still have some spots available for the tour, and uh, that's going to be – I'm glad you brought that up. That's going to be an excellent tour this year, going to the Danforth Plant Science Center and then uh, in the afternoon, we'll have some field demonstrations, including some UAV demonstrations and some autonomous vehicle demonstrations that uh, should be pretty exciting out there. And if our listeners are interested in attending this conference or want to go on the egg tour, where can they go to you know, secure a, a ticket to this conference? Well, all the details are available online at infoag.org. Uh, you can register online. You can read more about the tour. You can see all the presentation descriptions and the speaker profiles. So everything's available at infoag.org. Fantastic. And it is in St. Louis. It is next week. And, Quentin, just before we let you go, how many years has the InfoAg conference been going on? How, how long has it been around? Well, it started in 1995, and uh, I, I'm proud to say I was I was uh, part of that first one and have been involved with every InfoAg since. It's really grown, and uh, St. Louis has been a great venue for us. Uh, we've got over 1,000 pre-registered already, and uh, looks like it's going to be, again, one of our top attendance conferences. So. Excellent. Folks, get on there, infoag.org. Check it out. You still have time to get registered. I'm sure there's still some hotel rooms. And Quentin, thanks for taking the time to bring us up to speed on what's going on down there this year. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, it's too bad we can't make it down to InfoAg this year, but folks, if you have the chance, be sure to check it out, particularly if you're into technology. It's, it's a really, really cool event. Yeah, it definitely is. Even just looking on their website, I mean, just the stuff that they're going to be seeing and learning about, I'm intrigued. So it definitely be a good event to get to. But in the meantime, if folks do decide to head down to St. Louis and they want to catch some more podcasts, Mike Delaney, where can they go to learn more? They should listen to all of our old podcasts at our website, agnewsdaily.com, and they should be sure to get on social media, Facebook and Twitter, and give us their thoughts on our potential new logo designs and name for the new podcast network. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Ag News Daily. Delaney, 
What do you say? Should we let the people go? Let's let them go.